going on, everybody? We are live at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival Process Potables Friday night session. We're hanging out, waiting for the early November and Knuckle Puck to go on, drinking some great beers, hanging out, having a good time. The storm came. It passed. It's beautiful out now. The sky looks amazing. Got some hashtag sky porn going on. Mm. Joined by my co-host, Steve. My name is Dan. You follow us on Twitter, all our social media for the pod, at Process Potables. I'm on Twitter, at Dan Says That. Steve's on Twitter, at SW Jones. Steve, I feel like, I mean, you're like a Twitter celebrity now, man. Apparently, you like yeah. The tweet of the month, maybe. Yeah. Uh, really really big deal for you. Do you yeah. want to talk about your thought process? Explain, you know, verbal meme. We do that on the podcast a lot. Verbal meme. Got talk that to me right. about it. Yeah, so I just came up with this silly idea where... Uh, the meme basically says, you know, uh, your wife's asking, you know, when are you going to take the trash out? And I'm like, and then I respond with, uh, I, dude, oh, my God, I forgot what I fucking <laughs> Not in any particular hurry. I'm in no particular here hurry. Sorry. I famous by Mark Zumoff. I'll do it for you, I guess. Yeah. Like I said, we've been drinking. Okay? Yeah, Bourbon County, too, and KBS. A 2019. So. Birmingham 2019, Stout. yeah. We're not so, fucking around here. No, Goose no, Goose no. Island no longer in Philly, but in Atlantic City for the weekend. We're putting Hell in yeah. work for you, the viewer and listener. We're going to talk about some of the beers that we've drank already. We took one stroll down. We're going to space it out, come talk some shop, talk some Sixers, talk some beer. we got a big weekend planned, a lot of great guests. We're hoping some people are going to roll through as well, so... Very excited for that. I'm going to talk about what I drank so far. We already talked about the 2019 Bourbon County Stout. That's a given. Home run of a beer. Fucks you up, but tastes amazing, especially when it's you know two years age now. Oh, yeah. It only gets better with age. Very excited. We had a couple, a lot of breweries that we've been to or that we've talked about on the pod at other times, whether we've done pods there, intend to now that the world is getting back to normal, thankfully. Go through what I had so far. Friends at Neck of the Woods. We did a podcast there before. I had their Sex in the Woods. It's a sour. Steve, say it for me. Sex in the Woods, a sour Berliner Weisse. Thanks. German guy. Yeah. Uh, flavors of cranberry, orange, peach, apricot, and lactose. You know me from listening to this pod. Beers with lactose. Hell yeah. Sours. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. A uh, ton of fruit flavor. I didn't. I don't know what apricot tastes like, so I'm not gonna. I can't comment <laughs> on how much that was in there. I got a lot of cran, a lot of peach, uh, very sweet for a sour. If that makes any sense, a little bit of both works for me. Uh, Bolero Snort, very North Jersey. We we've definitely drank a couple of their beers on the park because I know you and your wife are big fans oh, of yeah. Bolero Snort. Who I had the it? Wave Grazer, a tangerine and lime session sour. Lower ABV, something you could definitely crush by the pool. A great summer beer. We're basically kicking off summer here. Like yeah. the biggest event that's happened in New Jersey since before COVID, I would say. Um, very exciting. Again, get down here. I think you might still be able to get tickets for tomorrow. So if you catch this and it's a Saturday and you're like, shit, what can I do? Come drink beer. Like, what the fuck? Come drink beer. Like, come on. This is like this is like the first big party of the year, man. I, right. I mean, like, what? Like, there's nothing you could have done by now that matches anything like this no and we went to a round one sixers playoff game and sorry but like this is a little bit more hype yeah now as we go i'm sure they'll you know they'll compete with this or whatever but the problem is at a sixers game paying 13 dollars for a beer here yeah. we're drinking for free mm-hmm. and i can't get kicked out for being a dickhead well i probably can yeah but if the, you litter those the, are one of the two right rules one is littering and the one i don't know and like our engineer Corey said if there's only two rules somewhere and you break one of them you're kind of a dick. Yeah. I think that's a great 
way to live. Those are words to live by. Don't be a dick or don't be kind or of Or the dick. next time I get a tattoo, I might get, if there are two rules somewhere, don't break them or you're a dick. Is that, too, that. Is that yeah. too many words? It might be too many words. Uh, we've been to Vinyl before. Vinyl in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, home to Three Threes as well. Home to uh, Chimney, Rustic Ales. All three fantastic breweries. And there's a pizza place across the street from Vinyl that I don't remember the name. But goddamn, oh, is yeah. that good pizza. Hanging it is out. the best like plain sliced pizza right. you'll Hanging ever get. And I buddy. think that's all they do. No, they had top. We got one of the toppings. Yeah. Okay, okay. We got one of each. Uh, hanging out with our buddy Marty Teller there. That was a great episode. Up, had a good time. So I had a PB&J party. I, mm. I saw that online, and I said, we have to go find that. PB&J party, a raspberry peanut butter and jelly sour. Now, Steve, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I am a grape jelly on my peanut butter and jelly sandwich purist. But so far in my history of peanut butter and jelly beers, which I've had a couple now because I love peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yeah. I know you do, too. So far, all the best peanut butter and jelly beers that I've had are all with raspberry and not with grape. I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Yeah, I guess the only difference, I would think the, the raspberry's got to be definitely sweeter. And I just, I'm not sure how much a regular grape, how well that flavor uh, transcends into a beer. So that's the only... That's a great point. We yeah. actually, at uh, Brotherton, full disclosure, I'm the assistant brewer, so um, I'm a little bit biased, but... One of our new IPAs, which is called uh, Drip Down, uh, has notes of like white grape, like a wine white grape kind of flavor. So that translates pretty well into a nice hazy, juicy IPA. But you're right, like that, like purple grape, like grape drink, like Welch's kind of flavor. Like, yeah, you don't really see a whole lot of that in beer. And there's probably a good reason for that. So peanut butter and jelly beers, generally the raspberry works. I was at Arrow, our friends Arrow, recently. We haven't been to their tent yet. I saw it. We'll go there. But they have a peanut butter and marshmallow sour. One of the best beers I ever had in my entire life. Um, It was like Mo Fluff, I think it was called. Okay. Uh, I gave it a five on Untapped. At Process Potables on Untapped. Check it out. Um, Fantastic. But this vinyl one, really, really good. And then since it was early, I was able to grab another beer. Had five characters in search of an exit. A sour with passion fruit, raspberry, lime, pineapple, and conditioned on vanilla. My God. I said literally, and I wasn't even drunk yet, that I wanted to bathe in it. <laughs> I think it would have been that good. And as gross as I probably am, like all moist out here, having set up in the, in the swamp storm moist. shit that just happened, I would drink the bath water of it. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just calling it like it is. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that makes you want to drink the beer. You don't have to drink it out of a bath. Just go get it at the tent. Like, sorry. Yeah. Uh, our friends at Westville, we've done a pod there. Mike's here. Mike's been on the pod before. Love those guys. Their crumb cake beer, they do so many variants of it. I was there recently, had the raspberry version, was very impressed. They've done, what have they done before, man? They've done. I think they've done like a peach pie or peach oh, cobbler. Oh, yeah, peach was something definitely like one that. of them. Um, they've uh, definitely done a, like a blueberry, blueberry, raspberry. Yeah, so they've done a good, a good amount. They have a pineapple upside down one here. Yeah, I'm not a big pineapple Neither guy, am so I, I have to and, ask. and it was very strong on the pineapple, okay. which isn't great for me but still the, the, their base crumb cake beer is so good that honestly any flavor is still pretty good with it yeah um as far as pineapple beers go uh ballast points pineapple sculpin is probably my favorite mm. pineapple beer just absolutely dominating and steve i don't know if you know this because we generally talk about craft beer on here and and rightfully so but i'm a big natter day guy too and this summer pineapple natter days oh okay so I'm really excited for that because, especially when we do our fantasy draft, 
I, I like to get a Brick and Natter. Yeah. So I uh, might be going pineapple this year. Yeah. The last one on my list is Ship Bottom, which we know because we love to go to Chicken or the Egg out there in LBI. I had their off-season sour, blackberry, raspberry, vanilla. Again, you listen to the pod, sours with vanilla, right up my alley. Good fruit flavor, good mix of the blackberry and the raspberry. I got hints of both. Um, I love that vanilla lactose flavor in my sours. Uh, so huge fan of that. Steve, run me through your list that you've had so far. So we've had a lot of the same beer, so I'm just going to go over things that you may not have had. Uh, going back to our friends at Bolero Snort, I mean, you, this can be said for a lot of breweries, but Bolero Snort is truly one of those, like, elite breweries, man. Like, I've never had a bad beer from there. I agree. And it's just, there's been times I go to a liquor store, and as I said many times, I am a sucker for good can art. Bolero oh, yeah. Snort's Dude, probably the best of, at that. And their names, like the pun names they do, all it's based great. around, you know, bull, moose, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So I had their Crushable. That's a session IPA. Very good notes of uh, citrus. Um, I have not had that before. So I was, uh, that might be the, probably my favorite IPA I've had so far. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Uh, Going back to vinyl, I had their, uh, it's called their uh, Speed Metal IPA. I'm pretty sure there's actually a little bit longer of a name to it. But um, if you look up vinyl and Speed Metal, it's there. It's an IPA. That is also great. It's a New England style IPA. Um, Love a good New England IPA. Yeah, Viva La Speed Metal. That's what it was called. Um, we also posted a video of your review of that on our Instagram. Again, at Process Potables. Go check it out. Yeah. And then the only other thing is uh, from um, from Founders, we did the, uh, apparently it's, uh, well, they say it's been popular, although we were maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> well, they probably starting. do it. Maybe they do it yeah, in, in maybe a tap it's like room. A, yeah, tap room festival favorite. But uh, they do half and half of their uh, breakfast stout and their rubeus. And that was very delicious. The rubeus kind of had like, um, so what I was saying before, <laughs> it, it, it's like you go to a d- diner, you have like a greasy breakfast, and then, you know, you, Every diner has, like, those, you know, that dish of all those jellies no one wants. But there's, like, a raspberry jelly, so it has notes. Like, that raspberry really complimented the the breakfast out one, which I know you have. It's a very popular beer. Oh, yeah. So And I'm definitely going back for some KBS, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... uh, I forgot to mention my Founders beer, so I appreciate you reminding me of that. Oh, okay. I had their Mas Agave Classico, which was a bourbon barrel-aged tequila ghost. Oh. Really, really good. Uh... I, I've gotten a little too old for tequila. Yeah. But there's been a, a little bit of a coming out party for tequila barrel aged beers. They're few and far between, but they tend to be very well done. So I was very impressed with that one. Definitely going to go back for some breakfast out as well. But Steve, I think it's time we dive into some Sixers. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're mainly here to talk Sixers. We got a lot to talk about this weekend. Tomorrow, we should have Kevin McCormick on the pod to preview Sixers Hawks. Uh, we may have other guests throughout the weekend. Obviously, as far as being at AC Beer Fest, we're hoping to get some breweries and brewers and whoever wants to come talk to us over. Uh, maybe some stuff with the bands. We're, we're not sure what's going on with that yet, but we're hopeful. So we'll see what goes on. But right now, Steve, we're going to talk about Hawks Sixers at great length tomorrow. I don't, I don't really want to get too into it tonight, but an aspect of it that we can entertain tonight and we can talk about round one and then how we see it going forward in round two is the development, the growth, uh, the performance, the expectations, everything like that as far as 
probably like two of the most popular Sixers right now. I don't think many people out there really have much negative to say about either of these guys, and that's young on the brink of being stars. I'd say both of them at this point, yeah. on different ends of the court, uh, especially Matisse Seibel and Tyrese Maxey. So uh, I'll lead you off with what they did in the first round. So for Tyrese Maxey, he only averaged nine points a game, but what really stood out for him, obviously, was his performance in Game 5 as the Sixers had to go without Joel Embiid. And in Game 5, he had 13 points. Uh, He played 26 minutes. He also had six rebounds, two assists, and a steal. An incredible performance for a guy who was drafted 21st this year. He just fell to us. Fell to 21. Boston almost drafted him. Boy, and you wonder if that's a big reason hmm. that uh, that hmm. Danny Ainge is gone and that hmm. Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball Ooh. operations. Uh, wow. It, listen, other than Jason Tatum being 19, I don't really know what else Boston has going for him right now. But a very impressive series for Tyrese Maxey, playing his way into the rotation. And then you look at a guy like Matisse Stiebel, over one and a half steals per game in the first round. 1.4 blocks per game. So basically each game, a steal and a half, a block and a half. And that's for a guy that's coming off the bench. A lot of games he was only actually playing close to 15 minutes. And then, Steve, 25% from three is the only thing that I look at from Thibault. And again, it's what we've talked about all season. It's tough. It's what you It's what you need to grow from him going forward. You're probably not going to get that in the immediate future. But talk to me about what you saw from both of these guys in round one. What impressed you? What you're still concerned about? You know, things like that. So it's sort of funny is uh, as as popular as they are right now, um, their their skills almost complement each other in a way. Whereas Matisse, everyone knows he's he's a ball hawk on defense. He can block, steal, deflect. Like he he literally does everything. Um, whereas Tyrese Maxey is far more gifted as an offensive player. Uh, you know, he can occasionally make it from three, but just going to the basket, he's like, he is incredible going to the basket. And I think I've even said this before uh, in the pod, maybe earlier in the season, but he just see one of the most creative players getting to the basket. And there's been time, like, what's frustrating is like, sometimes you see Ben Simmons go to the basket and you're like, wait, wait, how did you miss that? That was, that was an easy, whereas... You know, Maxi has to work much harder because he's smaller, and just some of his finishes to the rim are just like incredible, and they happen so fast. That I think a lot of people don't even catch it. Al um, Abdul Nabi put it really well in the last game about there's just so much in his bag. Mm-hmm. Is is the way people describe a player like that? You saw him; he can attack bigs and he can put it high off the glass. You saw him; he can kind of do this like finger roll underneath. Yeah. Uh, and get it like under the arm of a big guy. Like he has so many skills because of his size and athleticism. When you're a smaller guy, like you know, I grew up having to play basketball against you, and you were so much fucking taller than me that I always had to figure out all these creative ways to score. And I was not good at it, and I didn't do it very often. But the same premise was there, and he's able to do that at such a, such a successful rate for a rookie to adapt to that and. He still finishes through contact well for a guy of his size. You saw the play where he had the breakaway, and Bradley Beal, at this day and age, almost flagrant fouled him. There was no foul call whatsoever. And I think he was thinking about going up for the two-hand dunk and had to adjust on, like, a mid-air double pump and put it off the backboard and got it to go. Yeah. It, it It was incredibly impressive. Yeah. And, I mean, now, one thing I kind of wish people would do is just 
temper our expectations of Maxi just a little bit. I agree with you. I think people are forgetting that he's a rookie. Uh, with that said, I don't think people are forgetting that, but it's definitely okay. they're not setting their expectations for him as a rookie. Is, is the way to, I, I, it's the same right. thing? Yeah, but. and what I will say is uh, now we're not college basketball guys nope. at all. No. But I got to like I know enough to where I can say okay, like coming from Kentucky, playing under Calipari, like this dude not only played in front of the biggest crowds in college basketball, he also, I'm sure, practiced every day. That second unit he's playing against, they're probably better than most of the teams in the NCAA. Oh, great point. So he's just... And speaking of, like, Kentucky guys, we saw Devin Booker last night. Yeah. Like, we could talk about what guards from Kentucky do early in the league and, and the, the high bar that is set for them. Right. And even though we're not college basketball guys, honestly, like, one of the most famous basketball plays uh, from college basketball that I've seen the past three years was Maxie's, I think it was against Michigan State, and they're up two, and he just, he gets like denied entry from the uh, arc, backs up and takes like a 28 three-point shot mm. to put them up five, and uh, who's, who is it, is it Dick Vitale, I think? Yeah. He's on the call, he's like, oh, Tyrese Maxie, baby, <laughs> you're a rookie, you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, no, that, that that's good. But I'm glad that he's now in the Sixers so we can have Zoom off. Go like, yes! That's well, a very bad impersonation, but you know. Well, but unfortunately, with the first round being over, it is the end for Zoom off and Allah. Yeah. So we got to pour one out for them later. Pour one out. Another tremendous yeah. season from those two. Steve, do you remember when Eric Snow was the color commentator? I don't remember because I was asleep for it. No, he was asleep for it. You have that backwards. <laughs> But so okay, Steve. So we talked a lot. We talked a lot about Maxi. So talk to me about what you saw from Thibel in the first round that you liked, or or what you didn't like. Obviously, other than some of the three point shooting, because I already talked about him only shooting twenty five percent, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah, only twenty five percent from three. But from what I remember, all the threes he took, they were good shots to take. And I know some people had this feeling, well, he just shouldn't take them. It's like, no, that's not how it works in the Most NBA. Most people don't say that about him. I'll give them that credit. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, you, you got to start from somewhere. And how do you expect someone like him to build confidence and get better? You know, you, you just got to take those shots. And, and they weren't – he wasn't forcing anything, uh, you know, so that's good. And, I mean, defensively, man, I, I mean, what else is there to say? He's just – he was really good against Beal and Westbrook. He, he definitely more than uh, held his own. And was it game – was it game three he had, like, Five blocks and four steals, something like that. So, uh, with the Embiid injury, I'm very anxious to see how he's going to go up against Trey Young. Because I imagine they're probably going to deploy some sort of him and Ben uh, switching, you know, taking turns, uh, so to speak, to defend Trey Young. So, uh, especially with Embiid out of the lineup, and I'm really curious to see how he will hold his own against Trey Young. Because I think I think he's got the skills to do it. Maybe. You know, not completely stop him, but enough to, you know, slow the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I think, honestly, if we're ignoring, like, the three-point accuracy part of it, because that's not really anything that I'm concerned with as far as Matisse Eibel, I think one of the fair criticisms of him, honestly, is that I wish he would, you know, take more of them. And Hmm. in this first round, I think he did a, a decent job of taking enough I still think he passed up a couple chances that yeah. he, he could have taken. And I would I think the biggest criticism is he needs to shoot it more. Even knowing he shoots it at 25%, I think that he needs to shoot it more uh, for me. But as far as what he did really well, you're right. Um, 
we saw during the regular season that Doc Rivers didn't want Ben Simmons to, to just stick to Bradley Beal. And it hurt them at times. And he was asked about it, and he said, listen, that, that wasn't like – people were giving Ben shit for it. They were like, oh, he doesn't want to take on the challenge of Bradley Beal. It's like, dude, Ben Simmons talks so much shit about his defense. He's not backing down from anybody. No. It was, it's, not, it's not a player's decision on who they guard. And, and, dude, like, and how many times did we watch a game, Bradley Beal just makes a ridiculous shot, and you're like, you're like what are you going to do about yeah, that? Yeah, like he has to like work he's really, he's he incredibly talented. really hard for it. Like yeah. I remember watching in, in game five when it was still kind of close in the first half that he took this fadeaway deep two from the left baseline corner, and, and he makes it. It's like, I'm going to give him that shot. I know yeah. he's good enough to make it. I understand that, but law of averages says he's not going to make it every time. Not that shot. No. So, so I take it. But the thing is, is that Thibault came in in games four and five and really gave him fits. And Thibault got the start in game five specifically to guard Bradley Beal. And I thought he did a really good job. And when you look forward to the Atlanta series, I think, honestly, I don't think you're going to see Ben on Trey much, if at all. I think Thibault's going to draw that assignment, and especially with Embiid out. I would expect Thibault to get the starts and to be the guy that, that they throw at Trey Young first. And the thing that we said, I think we said this on Wednesday's pod, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. With a guy like Matisse, who you're only asking to play 15 to 20 minutes, you can also afford his foul. So even if Trey gets yeah. him in foul trouble, it's not the end of the world. Then somebody else has to guard him. George Hill has to guard him. Shake Milton has to guard him. You know, maybe Ben Simmons has to guard him. But the problem is, if you have Ben do it for too long, then you run into the problem they had in Game 4, which is Ben Simmons yeah. gets in the foul trouble, and then he's off the court. And you need him too much on both ends of the court. Even the biggest haters who, you know, bitch about his offensive game forever, he's important to your half-court offense. He sets everybody up, yep. especially without Embiid. You know, he can finish at the basket. You talked about sometimes, you know, he gets in there, and for some reason he has issues with – some of his layups and finger rolls. I think he has a little bit of an English issue. Uh, he also, you know, changes hands here and there. But the one thing he does really well, the best move I think he has at the basket, is he's really developing a Euro step. And yes. there's always conversations about Ben Simmons and LeBron James because obviously LeBron's kind of a mentor to Ben. Uh, they're both with clutch, things like that. Like, they're definitely friends. LeBron, ha especially as he's gotten older, has developed that, like, bull rush Euro step finger roll at the rim. I've moved the guy out of my way. Without the clutch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have seen Ben add that to his game. We saw it a couple times in round one because he was able to get whatever, no one in Washington can guard him. And listen, John Collins, capable defender. Clint Capella, a very good defensive center. Even DeAndre Hunter is a good wing defender, but like Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons are going to eat. I know I, I really mm -hmm. want to focus on Thibel and Maxi, but when, when you talk about the athletes that Atlanta has, the overall strength of their starting lineup is they're very balanced. Every guy in the lineup is good, but nobody on that team is great. Like, if you say, okay, who are the top three players in the series with them beat out? To me, it's Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Trey Young. Yeah. And it's close. Trey's, yeah. Trey's going to be better. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not a Trey Young hater at all. I actually really like Trey Young. Yeah. I hate him in this series. I want to send his ass home. But he's going to, to get there. He's going to overtake Tobias for sure. And ideally, Ben ends up better than him, but remains to be seen. It depends on what you value. Yeah. Obviously, Trey with his shooting, his passing, his handle, uh, three-level score. I mean, he can kind of do everything. Obviously, he's not much of a defender at this point. He's definitely mismatched. And that's another thing I think that the Sixers will have to do in the series. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more like tomorrow. But, you know, they got to physically impose their will. And 
getting it back to Matisse and thought or Matisse and Maxi, they both do that too. Maxi, even being a small guy, imposes his will. Like he had moments in this series with Washington where he was bodying with Westbrook. Yeah, and you know the athlete that Westbrook is. Like we both are Westbrook haters, so I'm not going to tout how talented Westbrook is necessarily. He's a physical dude. Very, he's an athlete. Yeah. He's very active. And Maxi on both ends of the court was was sticking with him. Was it always pretty? No. Did Westbrook get his? Yes. But there were a lot of flashes. And Doc Rivers came out and said this week, which I think was a very telling quote. He said, you know, only a few weeks ago, a few months ago, like Tyrese was our lowest graded defender. Like, that's why he wasn't seeing the court, because yeah. you knew he had an offensive game, but you have to be able, you can't be at a complete liability on the other end, and especially in the playoffs. And I think it speaks to the growth that he's had, that he's getting playoff minutes, that they must have been seeing it in practice and everything, too, that his defensive game has stepped up that much. And there was a quote from, like, Matisse Steibel this week, or maybe it was last week, we might have talked about it on the pod, too, where he was like, yeah, me and Maxie like work really well together. He challenges me on the offensive end. I challenge him on the defensive end. Maxie came out and said, like, I watch tape of his. I obviously play with him and against him in practice. Like, I learn from him. Like, I want to be that guy. Like, I'll be him on the offensive end, and he'll be me on the defensive end. But I also want to make those defensive plays. And I'm sure uh, Thibel wants to make the offensive plays. And if you caught the clip that was going around of their post-game presser from one of the games in the series. Oh, yeah. Maxi came into Thibault's media availability, and he was like, yo, I told him to shoot that three in the corner, and he <laughs> made it, like, just hyping up his guy. So I love the bromance of it all. Yeah. I love the chemistry on this team. I love the fact that young guys are contributing, and I love the fact that we've spent – well, we haven't spent, but we've heard for so long about the window of Ben and Joel and first that it wouldn't work, and now how long can it work or how long do they have – and usually when you're a team at our point where you're kind of cat maxed and you've been in the playoffs and you're not getting high draft picks, your talent pool kind of starts to run out and you can worry about what happens after. Well, Matisse and Maxi are both guys that were drafted in the early 20s and are legit NBA players already and still have so much room to grow. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure both of them were maybe not so much Matisse, but uh, definitely Maxi. He was graded as like... A, a mid-round, you know, he was supposed to be in the teens somewhere. Like and you said, he fell. Yeah, he fell. And I, I think, um, I don't think he fell because of an injury. Because when players fall, usually it's, you know, it's something injury-related. Or off or the court. Off the court. But I think at that time of draft, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's just like a slew of big men people or, or uh well, yeah, and maybe shooters. I, I forget, but... Well, it was, de- it was I mean, it was definitely a, a mixed bag draft, and I'm sure people had him all over the place. There were teams that probably had him in the teams and teams that may have had him, you know, lower than where we drafted him, uh, for sure. And his size definitely comes into it as the league continues to get bigger, and you talk about positionless basketball and all those other things. Yeah. He does become kind of like, while he is a modern-day type of scorer and has the attitude and everything, he is more like... That Allen Iverson early 2000s, you had a lot of six-foot guards that could still get theirs. And just in this league, you're not seeing as much of it. But it yeah. speaks to how good you are. I mean, Trey Young's not a big guy. He's having a lot of success. We saw only a few years ago Isaiah Thomas have a ton of success as a very small guard. Tyrese Maxey now having success. Like, you can do it, but it just has to speak to how good your skill set has to be. Because clearly the league is getting bigger and more athletic and it's just putting the average guy at more of a disadvantage. Right. So Now, since we spent all this time talking about Tyrese, 
Do you think Shake Milton's minutes are definitely gone? Yes. Shake's in trouble. He's just garbage time now. We we called it last week yeah. that that Maxi was already in line to take Shake's minutes and it's only gotten worse. The thing with Shake Milton, I guess we can dive into it real quick, is one, he he is very like he has a, a very athletic body. Like he's like a six five guard. I think he has like a six ten wingspan or yeah. something like that. Like he's still a very capable defender. He can still get you a bucket. Like he's been playing poorly, but I don't think that it speaks to his overall skill level. I think he's just in a bit of a rut. And it probably doesn't help that, you know, he goes out there and plays poorly and a rookie comes in and yeah. kinda kicks his ass. It's tough. But the thing that I've been saying to people for a while is like, okay, even if you're down on him now, and even if you're saying, okay, Shake's really not in my rotation anymore, that's fair. I, he's not in mine either. Yeah. But what you have to understand is he's still a big part of the future of this team because he's on a league minimum deal for, like, another two years, I think. I think not, so, yeah, two years. If not three, yeah. two to three years. So, like, they need him to be a contributor. It can be a bench contributor. It can be a regular season backup combo guard contributor. Like, he doesn't have to be a starter. He doesn't have to be an all-star. But you need him. So even if he plays poorly in this postseason and kind of has his role diminished, like, that's okay. But you can't write him off. And there is something that just trying to make sure that he understands, hey, the rotation's shrinking. It's not your year. But, one, he's got to be ready because you never know with injury. You also never know with a guy like Tyrese Maxey. He is a rookie. Like you said, people forget. Yeah. I think most people use it as a compliment. So I don't think they're forgetting yet. But you do have to remember as far as how high he's playing right now. He's almost due for a bad game, it he, seems he, like. I mean, it, you, the drop could come at any point. You yeah. definitely can't rely on his consistent, you know, good play as much as you shouldn't expect Shake to consistently stay this bad because we've seen how good he is. And I forget who had said it be- before. I think you might have said it on the pod, but it was a great point. Uh, that if anybody has seen the best of Shake Millen, it's Doc Rivers because Shake cooked the Clippers. That was like his career yeah, best game. Yeah, that's and right. And Doc was the coach. So if anybody knows what Shake's capable of, still it's Doc Rivers. Anything else on, on Shake? I feel like you. No, that that's all. Like I, I feel like anytime any criticism I have of Shake, it it, it, it comes off as slander, and, and I'm really not There's trying nothing to. Nothing wrong with slander, man. Sometimes yeah. you gotta have it. And, it you know, so- it's it's not slander. It's it's tough love. I right. think what it is because there you go. I mean, That's we we've been shake guys. You know, we were rooting for him right. in in Delaware, and I mean, you know, he did, the 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 tools are there. I mean, his his body, and I mean, I you know, I haven't lost faith in him yet, but I just think you know, for right now, he just lost his minutes to Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I completely so, agree. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna go get some more beer. Uh, we'll keep reviewing beers that we drink as we do different segments on here. I definitely want to talk about the first round a little bit more overall. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do a lot of Sixers, Hawks, preview, predictions, stuff like that. Uh, might be able to get in some betting stuff tomorrow. We're going to do some UFC talk tomorrow. So a whole lot of content. Make sure you're subscribed in the podcast feed, Process Potables, whatever listening platform you have, we're there. Subscribe five-star rating review, all that good shit. We appreciate it. The videos will be up on YouTube if you want to watch it live. I can't say that there's really that much going on, but whatever. So appreciate it. We're going to get some beers. Uh, Stay tuned, and thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, Steve, a little bonus content wrapping up session one of AC Beer Fest. I said I wasn't going to go too hard at this. Went a little hard. Not too much. We'll definitely be ready to go tomorrow. I'm feeling good. I'm going to party a little bit in Atlantic City, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably going to mm-hmm. go to uh, Mountain Bar and 
keep, keep the night going a little bit. But, you know, want to make sure we're good and ready for double sessions tomorrow. 12 to 4, Suicide Machines, less than Jake. 6 to 10, we have face-to-face all day, over 100 breweries. Going to be a hell of a time. But I wanted to talk about all the other beers that we drank throughout the night after we did our first recording session earlier. So... I'm going to run down my list. If I had anything you had, please chime in. Talk to us. Talk to me a little bit. Talk to everybody a little bit. But uh, I'm going to run down this list. Axe and Arrow, our friends over on Rowan Boulevard, where me and you both went to college, even though that whole thing didn't exist when we went there because we're fucking old. Yeah. I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite beers of the night, man. Hardy's Summertime. Oh, okay. I was just there like a week or two ago, so a lot of the other ones they had here tonight I've had. So I wanted to try this one, hadn't had it, and right up my alley, a smoothie sour with blueberry, lemon, lactose, and coconut cream. And I'll tell you, man, we've talked already, sours with lactose, way up my alley. Coconut is a real difficult thing for me. I didn't yeah. really I didn't really get much of it in there. I think the good thing for a guy like me who coconut can make you a little weary about the beer is that the lactose usually overpowers it. Yeah. And lactose and coconut are kind of similar, so I think it kind of blended it, you know, hit it in there kind of well, but did, did a good job. So I was a big fan of this beer. I definitely recommend if you didn't get it, try it tomorrow. Uh, we'll be over there. Sierra Nevada, I believe it was called Wild Little Thing. I I, I didn't get the name down. Instead of, you've had Hazy Little Thing, right? Their Hazy IPA. Yes. Fantastic fucking Absolutely. beer. This is a sour version, uh, mm. like a fruited sour oh, version. Okay. Big fan. Love it. Flying for Salt and Sea, we've talked about before, staple. It's my top golf go-to beer. <laughs> no variant here, just the regular Salt and Sea. Big fan. Double Nickel Vienna Lager, my favorite lager in the goddamn world. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, not a huge lager guy, but that one just does it for me. I love the little bit of vanilla you get in it. Mm-hmm. It just makes it for me. Evil Genius, No Crying in Baseball, was another one that I had. And I don't know if I took the picture of it. Uh, I did not. But basically keeping with the theme of, of fruited sours, um, another one that I was a big fan of, Evil Genius, uh, in Fishtown, Northern Liberties-ish, in Philly, if you don't know. I assume many do. You've been the Mud Hen, right? Yep. Dude, Mud Hen, I had their fruity patootie. Okay, how was that? It, really, really good, man. Again, like my whole night has mostly been fruited sours, trying to stay with it. I'm going to save some of the heavier stuff for tomorrow. Big fan of Mudhead, and their food's incredible as well. Yeah. If you're ever in Wildwood, got to go. Uh, Urban Village, which I think is in the Piazza in, oh, okay. in Northern Liberties. I've heard good things. I'd never been. This is the first time I had a beer from them. I had their Super Villain New England IPA, oats and milk sugar, with a hot blend of Vic Secret Mosaic and Motuka. Uh, really juicy IPA. It's only 6.5%. So for a New England where they can get up to 8, 9, 10. Yeah. Like a, an easier drinking New England IPA with a ton of flavor. Cape May, I had their Hazy Kiwi Pale Ale. It's the only beer. They have eight beers. It's the only one that I hadn't had before. Dude, awesome. Super light, super fruity, major summer beer. Pinelands Brewing had their Vanilla Bean Porter, one of the only darker beers I had for the night. Really good. Reminded me of Breckenridge's Vanilla Porter, which is my favorite porter of all time. And they're right in front of us, but I'm saving that for tomorrow as well. Again, I already know that I love it, but this was very much on par with it. Big fan. And then two, I definitely know you're going to want to talk about. We had them together. Yards, the French Toast Bites. Oh. 
I told you the story about this. I read it in the paper, actually, that, like, a woman... Uh, I, I wish I knew had the info on me. I don't have the newspaper with me anymore. I read it, like, a week ago. But it was, like, a woman, I think, who owns a restaurant or, like, a small business or something, like, somehow brewed this beer, this French toast beer. She was working with a smaller brewery, and the beer was so popular so quick and sold out so fast that that brewery couldn't even keep up the distribution for it. So now she paired with Yards to make the beer. Obviously, Yards being a huge distributor, having a giant facility yeah. right off Spring Garden in Philly is now making it as one of their small batch series beers. We just had it from them for the first time. Absolutely incredible. And then our friends about the hops, one of my favorite beers of all time. I yeah. think it's up there for you too. El Jefe Jalapeno. I'm drinking it now. A jalapeno IPA with lactose. Spicy beers, as much as I love spicy food, I know you love spicy food. Yeah. Spicy beers usually fucking suck, man. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. They're not good. But the lactose in this you get just a little bit of heat and then gone. It's nope. a perfect balance. It's perfect, man. Yes. Just, you just get that little, like, ooh, like, uh, I like that. And then the lactose just overpowers it. Incredibly smooth, incredibly good. About the hops, Mount Laurel. They're back in this industrial park. A lot of people don't know where it is. A lot of people haven't been there. One, they're open super late on the weekends. I think they're up until midnight, Friday and Saturday. That's, yeah. So it's a good late night spot because most breweries are closed by 10 o'clock. And then so many beers. They have a ton of New England IPAs. And then they do the weird stuff like this. They do dessert beers. They do it all. Really impressed. So talk to me about what you had. I know you had some of these, but talk to me about what you didn't. And then talk to me about the ones you did as well. Yeah, sure. So we, we definitely we kind of got split up a little bit there. So... Uh, the first beer I actually had was uh, a Pilsner, and I only bring this up. It's from Ashton Brewery. Um, it's called a Polyphonic. They Grimstone. don't make the cigars, do they? No, no, they're different. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think at that, I just was trying to start a little light, you know, to begin with round two. And I only bring this up because I think, uh, listen, like when it comes to uh, Pilsners and craft breweries, like you can't, there's really not a high precedent there. Like you... You know, well, here's what I, I I normally don't do this, but I'm gonna give you a little lesson from my brewing okay. experience now. I want to hear, yeah. A pilsner, while most people aren't gonna be like, oh, it's the most delicious beer I ever had. Like, it takes a damn good brewer to make a good pilsner because a pilsner hmm. takes patience. It takes a long time, not only to brew, but it sits for a long time, and like, it's gotta be clean, it's gotta be pure, it's gotta be. Like white. So that's why a lot of places don't do them. No. It's not very common it, for it a takes up a, It takes up a lot of time in your fermenters. Okay. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a very, like, once you have it down, it's not difficult to make, but you got to figure out how to get it right first. And that's why I think a lot of them aren't very good. Uh, some of them can be too watery. Some of them can lack flavor. But once you yeah. get it right, it can be a great beer. Yeah, and the only reason I bring it up because I think uh, a good craft brewery with a good pilsner, that's great. Like, it, you know, if you bring your dad or your uncle or someone who just doesn't care about craft beer, like, that's a good it's kind a of like transitional gate- beer. Yeah, like, listen, this is you know how they sure. talk about gateway drugs. Yeah, it's a good a gateway. Pilsner beer. is a gateway craft Absolutely. beer. Absolutely. So, which brings me to my next beer is a uh, Mudhead. Um, I had their Holly Beach Wheat. Okay. Um, and you know, I've talked about it's a, a wheat Belgian wheat beer. Uh, nice notes of citrus and ginger. And what's impressive is... Um, Ooh, Navy Seals. Yeah. <laughs> ginger, in my opinion, is like probably the one thing that's incredibly difficult to in any kind of food or beverage because just a dash of too much ginger, you can taste it. Like it's... Do you know what's it's, similar is a sarsaparilla? 
Okay. Which is like root beer flavor. Oh, okay. We do a, a cream ale at Brotherton Ooh. with sars- sarsaparilla, okay. which if you like root beer, it's amazing. But if you don't, it's fucking terrible because yeah. the littlest bit overpowers the hell out of it. Yeah. So I think like a, a good wheat beer is kind of like the next phase of someone like, oh, you like this Pilsner? Try this wheat beer. I think you would really like it. Um, so next I tried the, uh, <laughs> I've had this beer before, the Dortmunder Lager, Lager from Great Lakes. Um, I, <laughs> some of you guys know, like I, uh, you know, I follow German soccer, Borussia Dortmund's my soccer team. So the city of Dortmund, you know, that's where the Dortmunder comes from. And if you try the actual like OG Dortmunder, it tastes like fucking piss. I highly don't recommend <laughs> it. So if for whatever reason you just want to try a good Dortmunder, Great Lakes is really the only place to get that. I mean, the beer itself, it's, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to go out of the way for it, but in my opinion, that's the best, you know, Dortmunder you can get. Interesting. I'm not a big Great Lakes guy, but I'm also don't do a lot of those kind of beers. But yeah, I, I know that they're known well for them. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, El Jefe Jalapeno, just like you said, it's a perfect balance with the lactose and the spicy. And before having this, I never had a good beer that was spicy because it just all seemed like they had way too much black pepper in it. And it's not like a good spice that like, I feel like a lot of times a good spice just kind of sits in your mouth a little bit, but it, like, yeah. it's a good taste. But when you're drinking, so it just feels like it's a shit ton of black pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. Now, last but not least, the French toast bites. I gave that a five. Um, that might be the only beer I gave a five for the night. And so here's what I will tell you. Now, if you're one of these people who weekend or whenever you get up, you want to make yourself a nice, you know, homemade plate of French toast, it's not going to taste like that. Want some fucking French toast. <laughs> if you're one of these people that like to go to these foofy restaurants, pay I'm $18. Sorry, wait, what kind of restaurant? Foofy. Like Fo- just foofy? Foofy. Foofy. Yeah, foofy. Like just overly fancy. They try to make simple things overcomplicated. And then you just. Oh, so anywhere on. that does brunch. Yeah, so a lot of brunch, like, and, dude, I love a good brunch, but most brunch, they want to charge $18 for some eggs and toast. Yeah, it's bullshit. But a lot of those- Just get fucking breakfast. Yes, go to a good diner. Now, a lot of those places make a great French toast, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Not going to taste like this beer. However, you know know me forever. I've always been a cereal guy, because I grew up eating- Yeah, I grew up nothing- eating nothing but cereal. My mom probably can't cook breakfast to save her life. But if you ever grew up eating the French Toast Crunch cereal... Which is why you're looking at it on Amazon? Yes, because I want to make sure I had the name right, because I thought it was like Cinnamon Toast Crunch French Toast. Well, they have Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Right, like, so it's the same concept, but just a set more like... Is that uh, Kellogg's or General Mills? General Mills, Mills. yeah, so... It, it, you, you go in a grocery store, you get Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's going to be right next to it, the French Toast Crunch. And, dude, it just it tastes just like that fucking cereal, dude. It's got, you know, probably almost a little empowering with the maple syrup, but I fucking love it. So if you I, love I, that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it was overpowering. I don't, Personally. And, and listen, like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I fucking love maple yeah, syrup. Yeah, 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 of course. But, I mean, I'm just saying, if you grew up eating that and you fucking love it, like, this beer, it, it just... Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille. Yes. So at the very end, there's that, like, writer who's just arrogant and everyone hates, but he eats the Ratatouille and just, sh- 
Like he just shoots back to his childhood eating it and just having this like moment in memory. Like when I tasted that beer, <laughs> it was like my Ratatouille moment. I was just like, it just took me back to like being eight in my parents' kitchen eating like three bowls of French toast crunch and probably getting my ass whooped because I'm only allowed to eat one bowl of cereal. That's beautiful, so, man. That's how I would put that beer. Fantastic. And then you had a El Jefe Jalapeno. Yes. And that, you know, we I've had that beer a couple times, and I'm not going to not get it at not an AC Beer Fest. going to so. not get it. And fortunately, we should be able to get it tomorrow as well. Oh, yeah. So that's going to do it for us for Friday night. Again, tomorrow, double session. We're going to talk to Kevin McCormick. Uh, I think we're going to talk to my friend Matt Elmer from Vegas. Always knows on Steady Picks Radio for some MLB bets, hopefully. We'll have Rob Huber of Punches and Potables coming in to talk to the UFC card on Saturday night. Hopefully get some beer interviews, much, much more. Very excited. Awesome start to the weekend. The storm passes. A beautiful night. We're going to go have a good time, wake up in the morning, do it all again. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and trust the podcast. That is the wrong thing again.